0: Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. Well, good morning, and uh, in case you uh, are new here, my name is Braden. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Renew Life Church, and I have been gone a while. I, uh, if you haven't been here, I actually introduced myself to one of our musicians. I was like, oh, are you new here? He's like, no, I've been here for several months. I was like, well, I haven't. So, um, yeah, my wife and I actually, believe it or not, have been on uh, an entirely too long sabbatical for the last couple of months and several months actually. Uh, I looked at my calendar. I haven't preached since last August before I last preached in one of our churches. but. Um, I'll, I'll do a little explanation more about kind of what this, what this has been for us, this sabbatical time. But uh, it's good to be back, I'm glad to be back. And my wife and I, in case you didn't know that, we started Renew Life Church Midland almost 10 years ago, uh, about nine and a half years ago. Then a couple years ago, we came to Lubbock with a team of folks, Keith and Natalie, who do an incredible job here. Can we just give Keith and Natalie a round of applause? Like, yeah. Natalie's here somewhere. And just tell Keith tell Keith we clap for him, like just tell him we did that. So, uh, But no, we've been here for a couple years now and uh, pretty exciting. And uh, But a few months ago, in fact for those that wouldn't know, they've, we've had so many people come up to us in the last couple of weeks, we started kind of coming back to some meetings in the month of December, uh, but this is the first time I have have preached uh, since then, and I've had so many people ask just, you know, what was it like? What what happened on sabbatical? And if I'm just being really honest with you, there actually wasn't any like spec, super spectacular thing, which was odd, and I, I I noticed a few months into the sabbatical, I was like, okay, Lord, like nothing spectacular is happening, like isn't something supposed to happen, but uh, it was actually a really, really good time. In fact, total transparency, Leanne and I got to spend some time just working on us, working on our marriage. Uh, we took advantage of this time and spent the first six weeks. In fact, we called some friends of ours from, um, from, from Florida who've been with us for, my gosh, forever. And we said, hey, would you guys just pour into us? There's some things we wanna do really strategically on this sabbatical. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll spend so much, so much time helping other people, you forget to help yourself. And so we just spent a lot of time uh, working on us. Uh, there were days we talked so long and so in depth with so many tears about our marriage. We would just like look at each other and say, Can we just take a time out? We'll come back to this tomorrow. Like, this is enough, you know? Uh, but man, it was, it was so good for us, so refreshing for us. December, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. And so uh, it was pretty cool for us. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, and just for the record, in case you're not quite to 20, I have discovered what's the best way to celebrate your 20th, and it's in Cabo Catching Marlin. Uh, that's what we did for our 20th. We went to Cabo, and believe it or not, we caught 15 marlin in one day. It was pretty spectacular. And, um, but yeah, so it was, it was great. We spent a lot of time uh, really working on our, on our marriage, even just reestablishing our roles in life. I felt like for a part of sabbatical, I got domesticated uh, because, like, when in our normal everyday life, I do more at the church, and therefore she does more at the home. But when we were on sabbatical, it's like, hey, can you help with this and help with that? So I felt like I got more domesticated in uh, over sabbatical. Uh, but seriously, there was some reestablishing of some roles. Really hearing clearly what God had called. Really, Leanna, do I'm really excited for her. She's going to start preaching more, and uh, spends, so it's really cool to see what God's doing in her heart right now. Um, yeah, that was a big part of it. Another part of it was just establishing some new rhythms for my life. Uh, I said some of this before I left, but when we went on sabbatical, it was not my idea. Uh, I had an overseer uh, tell me, hey, you need to take some time off. And I told him, I said, no, I'm, I'm really good. I'm not burned out, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really good. And uh, he said something that stuck with me throughout sabbatical. He said, you know, you don't take your car to get the oil change once it starts smoking. And I thought that was super wise. And so uh, super, super uh, thankful for spiritual family. Um, you will hear me talk about that until I'm blue in the face because my life has been changed dramatically. By spiritual family, the, the elements, the principles of spiritual family, having someone in your life. This may as a shock to some of you. Someone in your life that can tell you what to do not suggest or just give you some, a piece of advice. I'm talking about actually tell you uh, what to do. And I, I'm so thankful that I've chosen to submit my life to some really, really incredible spiritual fathers and brothers uh, that have the ability to say, no, this is what I think you need to do. And uh, my answer is still yes, sir. And uh, so really, really happy about that. Got some new rhythms that I am already seeing. Uh, you'll pretty incredible results in my life. Uh, in just how I carry the presence of God, the character of God, the love of God uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a place like this where you're you're in a season of life where things just get hard and it it culminates in you acting a certain way or treating someone a certain way or saying something out of your mouth or flattening someone's tire or... something like that where you're like, wow, I need, I think I need a little more Jesus in my life right now. So that was good. Um, last thing happened not too many weeks ago, just, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, the last thing that happened, we were really, it was in December, and I was really leaning into the Lord about like, okay, Lord, um, I haven't, that was one of the things they told me on the sabbatical, don't prepare for coming back to sabbatical, from sabbatical. Just be in the moment. Be in that. Allow God to do a work, a deep work in you. Uh, Don't spend four months building messages for the next year and things like that. So in the month of December, I was like, okay, Lord, we got to do this again, so you're going to have to give me something to talk about. And he began to speak to me, and I'm really thankful that he did. Uh, He began to, what I would say, um, clarify some things to me. But he also began to correct me on some things. And I actually want to tattle on myself a little bit today. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter 2. Uh, that's where we're, um, we're going to go. Um, while, while you're turning there, let me just remind you, you may or may not have gotten our video. How many of you guys are in the middle of our 30 days of prayer and fasting? You're participating with that in case you just didn't know. Uh, the Lord spoke to me about really getting serious about this. I felt the need to clarify um, This is more about prayer than it is about fasting. So for those of you who said, I'm fasting social media, or I'm fasting bread, or I'm fasting sugar, I'm I'm glad that you're fasting, but it's more about prayer than it is about fasting. And so I just wanted to reiterate that because if you got the video... Uh, you saw what was on my heart. I, I saw the Lord in a way, and I was crowning him king over some areas, and so that has been my language, and I'm encouraging you to join me with that, get all of our uh, our guns pointing the same direction, so to speak. Uh, it is very much my heart that we begin to declare King Jesus king over areas of our life, area over our city, areas over our family, so on and so forth. It's, it's personal to you, but I, I just felt the need to reiterate, it's more about the prayer than it is about the fasting. The fasting is good. Stepping away from some things are good, but allow it to come to do something in you that cause you to go into prayer and pray in a different way. Uh, and if you're just like, man, I, how can I pray? How can I pray more in this season? Um, you know what, just come up to me after the service. I have plenty of targets that you can aim at if that's something that you're looking for. I'd be more than willing to share some of those with you. But I did, I did wanna say that it's more about the prayer than it is the fasting. Okay, Revelations chapter 2. Let me just begin with this because, again, I'm going to tattle on myself. Now, I, I, I'm going to get on you here in a minute, but right now we're going to get on me. So just, just we're going to even this thing out. Um, I, I'm, I'm, one of the things you'll hear me talk a ton about is, is the, the gifts, the gifts packages, if you will, listed in Scripture. Brief overview, there are three lists of gifts, lists of gifts in Scripture. Uh, You'll find them in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter four. Now there's significance to the number three. Just like there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there are Father gifts Son gifts, and Holy Spirit gifts. Uh, you'll find the Father gifts in Romans chapter 12. These re, we call these the redemptive gifts. And just like the Father is the one responsible in the natural for passing along DNA in the Spirit, the same thing happens via Romans chapter 12. If you've, if you're, if you've ever been curious, and don't get me started on the Enneagram... And for those of you who are into the Enneagram, you can repent today. Uh, It's okay. Uh, We can work through that. But the the Romans chapter 12, redemptive gifts, that is your spiritual DNA. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is is the Holy Spirit gifts, the manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, the Jesus gifts, the the ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But years ago, I was taught these gifts. And uh, it's extremely important to me because in times when I'm working on me, uh, I'm a, I can go to my redemptive gift, I, I just so happen to be redemptive gift prophet. Uh, don't get that confused with a, with a, with someone prophesying or a five-fold office prophet. I am not one of those guys. If you say, hey prophet, what season are we in? I think we're still in winter, wear a coat. I don't know what season we're in all the way. So, But I will say this, I shouldn't, that actually the Lord corrected me. He said, you do know what season we're in because I partner with prophets and I listen to prophets and I allow prophets into my life. So, believe the prophets show, sell you Prosper, so I believe I prosper because I listen to prophets. But I am I'm a redemptive, redemptive gift prophet. Now there are seven gifts in Romans chapter twelve that go with all the lists of seven in Scripture, and so anytime you see seven, seven days of creation, seven articles of the tabernacle, uh, and today we're going to talk about this: the seven letters to the churches. In Revelations, you can read whichever one you correspond to. Redemptive gift prophet just so happens to be one. So the first day of creation, the first article of the tabernacle, the first letter to the first church there, which just so happens to be Ephesus. And at times when the Lord is speaking to me, I'll allow him to use that revelation to talk to me. I'll allow him to use that revelation to to teach me and to give me uh, insight into my strengths, into my weaknesses. And especially when things are starting to change, I can go to those things and remind myself how he made me. It can bring great encouragement to you. When you think you're going crazy, sometimes you need to to read through some of those and let the Lord affirm who you are in him. And so I, I just want to read this. Because this is what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. He directed me to Revelations chapter 2. The church here in Ephesus, I'll just begin reading here in verse 1. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Uh, We'll get to something later, but I want you to understand the importance of this. In every one of the letters, he calls them to repent. And as he's calling them to repent, he says, repent unless I take your lampstand from you. Why, why might that be important? Well, here's what I just saw. It says, he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Part of you walking in the presence of God is staying under his divine correction and staying on track. Do you understand that? That's what he's saying right here. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You've found them liars. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I, I use this as much encouragement for me at times because there are things that even listed there that I know are strengths of mine and sometimes when I read that, I hear the Lord affirming certain strengths in me because sometimes when you, that spiritual gift profit, it sees right and wrong real easy and so uh, <laughs> I don't mean to scare anybody but like if someone's lying, I know it immediately. I, I, sometimes I can be sitting there listening to someone talk and I can't focus on what they're saying because in my whole time I'm like, I know they're lying. They're just, just telling a whopper. I don't know if any of you else are like that, but uh, <laughs> now everyone's afraid to talk to me. Um, but so I, at times, I, you can feel judgmental if you're not careful, and you can get judgmental in that. So every now and then, coming back and reading this, it's like, no, no, I, I know these things about you. you. You recognize liars, and you despise lying just like I despise lying. But here's what he said to me, <laughs> and this is where I want to get today. Verse four, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. So we're gonna tattle on me for a second. That you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. And this is what got my attention. And I, even thinking about it can make me somewhat emotional. I said, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And this is what I want to talk about today. Do the first works. Do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this... You have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He has an ear, and I did a little study on this. And just in case you're wondering, because I had never done this until actually yesterday. I studied out what were the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans were lukewarm Christians that thought they could have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And, And Leanne has always told me, she said, there's only two kind of people you really like, strong believers and heathens. And that is actually really true. Like, if you're a full-blown heathen, I have, you, I like you. I don't even know why I like you. Like, you, I just like you. If you're a strong believer, I like you. But I've always just had this disdain for people that try to live in both worlds, that live in this, this lukewarm, and that was the, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Uh, but the good news is I'm in good company. He says, "'Cause I also hate that. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches.'" Notice what he says. Who's the one doing the speaking? The Spirit of the Lord, and who's he speaking to? To the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to, the, uh, give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise. Um, let, me just, let me just come right out and say this. If, if I will allow this, if I ha- and again, this was something the Lord said to me, but what I knew was happening was the Lord was speaking to me because I represent leadership in this church, which means the church is not going anywhere that I don't take it. Uh, it's just a responsibility that I have, and it's something I have to swallow. It's something I'll give an account for at some point in my life. How did I handle uh, what I was given to steward? I- I'll give an account for that, so it bears heavy on my soul at times. And so, um, When I read something, when the Lord directs me to this, I, I have a choice on how I hear this. Um, one, I have to allow it to encourage me in some way. I have to allow it to to, to show me, hey, remember, I made you this way. There's a reason why you're so black and white in some things. There's a reason why you've kind of got that little meter on the inside that just knows right and wrong so fast. I created you that way. It's not always just judgment because the enemy wants to use even your strengths against you. At times when you're discerning something, the enemy wants to scream and go, judgment, you're judging. Why? Because he doesn't want you discerning. He doesn't want you discerning those things, so he's gonna to try to throw shame at you by calling discernment judgment. You see where I'm going with that? So I, I, can, I need to allow this word to encourage me, but I also need to allow this word to, to correct me. However, this is what I wanna to get to today. This word can only correct me based on how hidden, clothed, and seated I am. This word can only correct me based on how hidden, seated, and clothed I am. Some of you already know where I'm going with this, but let me read you a couple of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by his grace you have been saved. And God raised us up and did what? What? Seated. Say that word with me. Seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Quick question: Is Jesus on Earth or is He in Heaven? Y'all are afraid to talk to me now because I talk all oh, this discernment. Where, where is right now at this moment? Where is Jesus? Read your Bible. Where is Jesus? And where is He seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you have any idea what the right hand means? It's a position of favor. It's a position of blessing. It's a position that a dad would put their son and go, hey, everybody look at him. Proud of him. Freaking love that dude. And what does this scripture tell us? Where are we seated? With him. We're seated with him. Part of my goal today is to get you to stop thinking of yourself from your earthly identity and start seeing yourself from your heavenly identity you have to do it by faith because you say if I were to ask you "Well, where are you sitting well I'm sitting in one of these little flexy black chairs right now in Lubbock, Texas where I think I'm sitting, that's where your earthly body is sitting but in, hev- in the spirit in, the, in, in your spiritual identity where are you seated with him which means you're seated in a place where your heavenly father is going. Look at him. Freaking love that guy. And I don't I can't confirm or deny that the Lord uses the word freaking, but in my vocabulary, he seems to use that word. Freaking love that guy. I love him. I love her. Now, if I, when, when the Lord brings me a word, like in Revelations chapter two, and he reads me all those scriptures and he says things like, nevertheless, I have something to get I have something against you. How I hear that word, or even if I hear that word, depends on whether or not I'm seated or not. Because if, I, if I'm aware of where I'm seated, I can hear that and not go to shame. I can hear that and not go into denial. I can hear that word and go, yes, sir, let's make an adjustment. Yes, sir, let's make a change. And, but you know what people that don't hear the word of God or even hear the correction of God through the position that they're seated in you know what they do they make excuses no well Lord I I mean I you don't understand what's been going on the last couple years he does well 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 because that have you ever noticed when people get embarrassed that's what they do they start making excuses People that are seated at the right hand of the Father don't get embarrassed because they're not identifying with how they behave, they're identifying, identifying with how Jesus behaved. You see where I'm going with this? Colossians chapter three, verse three says, for you died and your life is now hidden, hidden with Christ in God. Galatians chapter three, for all you who are baptized in Christ have what? Clothed yourself with Christ. So when I, when, I hear this, when I hear this scripture, and when the Spirit of the Lord comes to me, I'm only going to be able to hear and respond to that word based on how aware I am of my spiritual identity. Notice the, the, the Lord's Prayer. What is the, what is the foundational principle of the Lord's Prayer? Stop praying earth to heaven and start praying what? Heaven to earth. Well, if I'm praying heaven to earth, that means I'm praying heaven's realities to become earth's realities. And as it pertains to you, what are heaven's realities as it pertains to you? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are clothed with him. You are hidden in him. You are seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of favor. He is proud of you. He's excited about you. He loves you. We have to, by faith, bring that heavenly reality into our earthly experience, not the other way around. But oftentimes, when relating to God, we relate to him from heaven, I'm sorry, from earth to heaven instead of heaven to earth. Lord, I know I did this. Lord, I know this is what's going on. Lord, you know. And, and it, it's, a, it's shameful speaking. It's shameful approach to God. Instead of, Lord... I am so thankful that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am so thankful that I'm seated at the right hand of the Father just like Jesus is because where Jesus is, I am there also. I'm so thankful that my life is hidden in Christ, that I am clothed with him, and I thank you for sending Jesus so that every time you look at me, you're as proud of me as you are of Jesus. Have you ever considered that? Wrap your head around this. God himself is just as proud of you as he is of his son Jesus. God himself wants to bless you just as much as he wants to bless his son Jesus. You have, this is, this is messing some people's heads up right now. You have just as much favor on your life, just as much favor on your life as Jesus has on his. Why? Because I am hidden in him. I am clothed with him. It is absolutely impossible to exaggerate this. It is absolutely impossible to spend too much time reminding us, reminding ourselves who we are in Christ Jesus. You've heard us say this before. There, are, there is a reason, there's a reason we take communion every Sunday. And I'm going to get into some depth. That I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, we've, you've, you've got away from some things. It is impossible to exaggerate this principle and... Um, I'll get into some more of this later, but I, I, this, this next part is going to get a little, little salty. Um, uh, years ago, I was introduced to a series. Um, some of you, I've already you've heard me talk about it. Some of you, I've given this series. I think it was taught in either 1999 or 2000. I can't remember the exact year. Uh, by Keith Moore called, it was a teaching on pride and humility. It's three parts. It's about, Mm, it's three, four and a half hours of teaching. I think it's three different messages. They're all about an hour and a half. Um, it's about four and a half hours of teaching, and it was one of the most, it still is the most, I would say probably the most impactful teaching I've ever listened to and, uh, on pride and humility. And one of the, in one of the sessions, what he does is he says, I'm gonna give you some indicators of pride. Indicators of pride. And he spends an hour just reading sentences, and he says, if, if this describes you, you, you have pride. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I, remember, I remember listening to this for the very first time, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, how is it physically possible for every single one of those to be about me? How is it, po- like, literally, I didn't get one moment where I could catch my breath and be like, oh, that ain't me, that's Leanne. But you know, um, not one time, but Let me just say this, it changed my life because someone took spiritual truth and he broke it down in such a way, and I know this is going to sound strange, where I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't avoid it, I couldn't deny it, I couldn't run from it, I couldn't hide from it, and so what I did is I had to ask the Lord, and the Lord began to show me some phrases of how do you know how seated, hidden, or clothed you really are? So this next portion is going to be a little salty, a little rough. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to buckle your seatbelt. Like, seriously, like, you, he's serious. You need to buckle your seatbelt. Um, I'm just going to say some things because over the years I've, I've seen, I've either had this happen to me, most of these have to do somewhat with me, uh, but some of these that I've just noticed, and, and the Lord has shown me, this is what people do who aren't seated, who don't know their heaven reality of they're hidden in Christ and clothed with me. These are just some things. We'll, we'll make this just... Real, real simple. Um, do you, as a mom, do your kids still need to have only brand name clothes? Just look right, straightforward. Don't anybody look to the left or the right. And again, some of these are. Good. Again, I told you I became more domesticated over sabbatical, and I got to notice this. Leanne taught me a lot about uh, just some mom stuff because um, I got to go to class and I sat in and observed a class, and I was the the class dad one day, so I went up there and told everybody what I did and uh, this next one came from some of this, but um, as a parent, are you still doing your kid's project from them secretly trying to outdo all the other kids slash parents? <laughs> now look, if you'll, when I read these, because some of these are going to get you, when I read these, just giggle and be like, because if you don't, everyone's going to know I'm talking about you, so just, Focus here. Um, And and maybe you're already sitting here going, okay, what does that have to do with how hidden, seated, clothed you are? Well, if you're still trying to get some type of fulfillment from how somebody else thinks about you, what somebody else thinks about your kid, if, if you're still trying to derive some of your value from anything other than who God alone says you are, you're not clothed enough. You're not hidden enough. Oh, these are going to be fun. What kind of pics are you posting on social media? <laughs> this will be a fun one. Why do you really work out? Why do you really work out? I, I have some friends of mine that when I, they're, 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 um, they work out all the time. Keith's one of them. And I, you know what I never hear Keith doing? Telling me how much he's working out. He never. I never even know when he does. well, first, first of all, you can look at him like, yeah, he he works out. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, I don't ever hear him telling me how much he works out. But I have other friends that can't wait to finish their workout and get it on social media, as if they're trying to encourage you. Just want to encourage everybody out there. Just finished a triathlon. Anybody else do that Make faces at people on social media? Ooh, look at me, I ran (laughs) triathlons. But be honest. And again, how hidden, clothed, and seated you are will deter, we'll see. Because you'll be able to really be honest with yourself. Why am I working out? Do I want someone to be impressed by how I look? Which means I'm not getting enough value from the cross. I need to get it from you. I'm not getting enough value from the clothes I'm wearing. I'm not getting enough value from the seat I'm sitting in with Jesus. Hmm. Some of these are hard to, because I've had to deal with some of these, but how do you really feel about people who are overweight? Do you look at them and do you judge them? Or do you judge yourself better than someone? How do you really feel about people who have or make less money than you do? I feel like we need to take a breath and get some bubble gum or something. I don't know why bubble gum felt right. Let's get a little lighter. Um, Do you exaggerate the stories you tell about yourself? even with friends, that actually know what happened and you're telling the story about what happened when you were all there and somehow you're still exaggerating the story. Come on, this will help us all right now. Raise your hand if you've ever exaggerated. Come on now, come on now. What does that mean? What does exaggerating mean? It means the real version of me is not enough for you, or at least I'm afraid it may not be. So, I'm gonna say that that fish was a little bit bigger. <laughs> I'm gonna say that my income's a little bit more than it really is. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it seem like I was a little bit tougher than I really was. Or I'm gonna make, you know, whatever it is. What, do you, what, what is happening when you exaggerate? You actually don't, you are not at rest with who you are, clothed, hidden, and seated with Him. Do you lie often? How how here's a good here's here's a good one. How do you handle being corrected when someone brings correction to you? How do you handle that? Do you get angry? Is your first response anger to correction? This one's a bit a, a little different direction. How often do you worship on your own? How often do you worship on your own? Because I'll tell you, I, when, I, when I catch myself over there thinking about, when I, I'll give you an example. When I know I didn't measure up in a certain area, and I began to exercise my righteousness, and here's what it looks like to exercise your righteousness. Lord, I thank you so much that I'm not going to pay for that. I thank you so much that you're not looking at me differently because of what I just did, what I said. And Lord, right now, I receive your mercy, and I receive your grace in this moment right now this isn't going to cost me because I don't live by works, I live by grace. I thank you for the reward of Jesus in this situation right now. Now, that's exercising my hiddenness, my clothedness, my seatedness. Now, when I, when I do that, when I go into that exercise, you know what it immediately makes me want to do? This. Because I'm aware I didn't do it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And something about the awareness of receiving something you didn't earn or you didn't deserve. Think about the last. Think about when people have given you. Think about the emotions you go through when someone gives you something that's way bigger than you thought you deserved. Someone gives you a gift, you're like, oh, I, oh my gosh, I don't. You know how it affects your emotions? It's like, oh, I don't even know if I can receive this. That's what Jesus is. It's the biggest gift that's ever been given. To anyone ever and you will never earn it or you'll never deserve it but you should worship because of it so if you're never worshiping alone I propose you may not be super aware of how hidden how seated and how clothed you really are how hard is it for you to be yourself around strangers are you a name dropper Are you a neighborhood I live in dropper? (laughs) I feel like I need to stop just so you can catch your breath. Do you struggle with jealousy? Do you struggle with jealousy? These are all, what are these? These are indicators that I'm still living my life more from my earthly identity than I am from my heavenly identity. So hear me, this is not to bring shame. This is to extend an invitation to come up. This is to extend an invitation to say, hey, if any of these pertain to you, you're sitting in the wrong chair. You're sitting in your earthly chair and your heavenly Father's saying, hey, I got a way better chair up here. And you'll feel a whole lot better once you're sitting in this chair instead of that chair. Revelations 2, nevertheless, you've left your first love. Repent and do your first works. I, I have to be, thank God I've, I've gone through some of this, and I, and I heard this scripture through a place of hiddenness, a place of clothedness, a place of seatedness in the right hand of the Father. So when he said this, I immediately knew that the Lord was saying to me that um, there were some things that we did 10 years ago when we planted Midland that we have not necessarily done when we planted uh, Lubbock. And, he's, and let me just say this, because some of you, when I mean, people come to churches for different reasons, some of you might say this, you're like, my friend just invited me so I showed up, so I don't know what you're talking about. But there are a lot of people, uh, I know them, I've talked to them, That uh, when we showed up to Lubbock, they were like, oh, that's, there's a revival. There's a revival coming. The Spirit of the Lord's breaking out, and there's a revival, and yada, yada, yada. And, and they're connected with this church and this church, and all of a sudden there was this influx of people And if I'm just being honest, it was centered around this word revival. Well, what I need you to know is when we started Renew Life Church, I never used the word revival. Never. I'll tell you what happened. I had an encounter with the Lord that changed my life forever. It changed my life forever. It was about 12 years ago now that this happened. And in his presence, I felt something I had never felt before. And over the next three years, he began to teach me about what it really meant to be hidden in Christ, to be clothed with Him, with the grace of God, with the finished work of the cross really accomplished. And it so transformed my life that the Lord called me to plant this church, first of all. And I was telling my pastor about what was going on in me, and he said, I think you need to plant a church. So we planted Renew Life Church on the revelation I'm talking to you about today, 2 Corinthians five seventeen all the way through 21, somewhere in there. Um, So we pl- planted that church, and for two and a half years, the Lord said, "I want you, what do you, Lord, want you to preach this weekend: Jesus, grace, the finished work of the cross." And week after week, and I would come home. Leanne contested this. I can be like, "The church has got to be getting tired of me preaching the same." I feel like I'm literally saying the same thing every single week. But every single week, people kept coming back, and people would show up. Same people. They would weep, and they would just. The church began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow, and all of a sudden, it was just this incredible thing that was happening there in Midland, and it was in the middle of all that that the Lord then directed me to 1 Corinthians 12:28. In case you don't know, God set these gifts in the church, first apostles, second prophet, third teachers. After that, miracles, healings, and various helps and various kinds of tongues. When I read that for the first time, it was we were about two years into what was going on in our church and the church growing and exploding, and I realized that in our church, if, if 1 Corinthians 12:28 is a, is a blueprint, which I do believe it is, God set these gifts in the church. I think there's even an order to it: first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, now the first three are all fivefold office Jesus gifts. But after, once you get the, the staff, the second thing it says is, after that, miracles and healing." And I was like, "Lord, I don't ever talk really that much about miracle and healing. I I wasn't going after revival when things began to happen in our church. I was going after scripture. But here's the most important part, and this is what I think the Lord is saying to us in Revelations chapter two, go back and do the first works. Go back and do the first works. You know what the first works were? Working on finding myself in Christ. Staying hidden in Christ. Because I'm telling you, the prayer of a person that knows where they're seated is more, pr- more powerful than a prayer of a person who's sitting in an earthly position. And so I'm fully persuaded that what began to happen in our church wasn't because we were praying for revival. What happened in our church happened because we started telling people who they were in Christ Jesus, and faith began to rise. Courage began to rise. Shame began to disappear, and people had no problem. What does the Scripture say? Come boldly before the throne. We were coming boldly before the Lord because we had nothing to be ashamed of. We were hidden. We were clothed. We were seated. And I, when I read this scripture the other day, I knew immediately what the Lord was saying to me. He's like, hey, if you want to see what you saw, do what you did. And I'm not, I'm not opposed for anybody saying, oh, we're going to after revival. So don't, don't feel like if you say that, I'm like secretly judging you in any way, shape, or form. But what I am saying to you is, if you want to see revival, you better know where you're seated. If you want to see revival, you better have your clothes on. Like, both literally and figuratively. Like, just make sure we're clear what kind of church we are here. (laughs) I want to see those things. But I'm just telling you, it didn't happen because I went after those things. What I did is I continued to look upon Him, the author and the finisher of my faith. And something happened in me where I was daring enough to believe that God would do crazy things. I didn't get... The crazy, by going after the crazy, crazy showed up when I went after him. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. I'll just end with this. I'm going a little bit over, but it's Leanne's fault. The worship went long. Um, Final thoughts here, two, two phrases. The spirit of the Lord will never correct you. Beyond where your identity in Christ can sustain you. The Spirit of the Lord will never correct you beyond where your identity in Christ can sustain you. The Spirit of the Lord has no interest in your shame, He has no interest in that. But if you can't be corrected, you can't be promoted. They go hand in hand. The Spirit of the Lord will never correct you beyond what your identity in Christ can sustain you. But if you can't be corrected, you can't be promoted. So here's the good news today, church. If the Lord is saying, hey, I need you to do some work over here. I need you to get hidden, clothed, seated again. You know what LT is saying? Because I have new places I want to take you. I have more waiting on you. I want to promote you but it's time we get our focus back over here. I'm still for prophecy. I'm still for all the things. But I'm telling you, as an individual believer, we need to spend more time re-identifying with who he says we are, immersing ourselves in the finished work of the cross so that the love of God can get in us because if it can't get in us, it can't get out of us. And that was the second thing that happened in my life. We'll get into that later, but the more I looked on Jesus, the more I felt the love of God. And the more I felt the love of God and knew what it felt like, and what it acted like, what it sounded like, the more I knew how I was supposed to be treating the world around me. I just treated them how he was treating me. And I found out how he was treating me by looking at Jesus. If you have seen him, what does the scripture say? What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen him. Amen. Thanks again for listening today.